All right, good morning, good morning. Everyone, if you want to start to make your way to your seats, we're going to get ready for church this today. And good morning to everyone on our live stream. We are so happy that you guys are tuning in with us this morning. If you are new or it's your first time joining in, we would love if you'd leave your name and where you're from so we can give you a proper welcome in our comment section. Also, if you know and you've been watching us for a while, January has been our month of testimonies. And so today, we're going to wrap up our um, kind of series in that. And if you have a testimony this week, we would love if you'd leave that in the comment. I'll read it at the end. But today's testimony is a little bit different. I'm going to give you guys a little preview so you have time to be thinking. Today, our testimonies are going to be centered around people who are still in the wait. So if you have a prayer in your heart and you are still waiting to see God's hand in it, we would love to partner beside you today. So if you want to drop your prayer request in the comment section, if you want to begin to be thinking about that, in the end, we're going to make some space for some corporate prayer. All right, so we're going to jump straight into our psalm this morning, and it's going to be Psalm 111. If you guys want to stand with me, I think there's something so beautiful about bringing in the presence of God and getting just to stand in reverence to his word. So if you look to the screen, it says, Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. In the company of the upright, in the congregation, great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of honor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has gained renown by his wonderful deeds. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He is ever mindful of his covenant. He has shown his people the power of his works and giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of his hand are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. And holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have good understanding and his praise endures forever. And so God, we just sit this morning in quiet or bold reverence. God, your word is a testimony of your goodness and your faithfulness and you continually showing up for your people. And so God, this morning we just tap into the encouragement of the psalmist here that you are a God that restores, that you are ever mindful of your covenant with us, that you know us, that you see us, that we are loved by you. God, we thank you for all of the people here this morning and everyone watching online. Lord, you and only you know the obstacles that it took to bring them here. Honor them and their journey here. Lord, I pray you begin to just quiet their mind of all of the things they brought with them this week. Give them trust that Holy Spirit is going to work it out while they're worshiping. Lord, I pray you just begin to speak love over your children, that they can fully participate and be present in this moment. Lord, we pray off 
insecurity and doubt and anxiety and all of the things that want to stifle our praise. And God, we just lean into you this morning knowing that you are good and we are safe in your arms. And so we love you and in your holy name we pray. Amen. So today in children's ministry, we are talking about how God is praiseworthy. Praiseworthy is just a big word to mean you can celebrate him, right? So I just want to say a big thank you to those who have already um, said that they would help out in children's ministry over the next couple of months because that is also worth celebrating. So yay! Thank you so much. Um, there is still room for a couple of people to help out if you are interested at all in helping. We're going to have um, two small classrooms, the like a nursery classroom for up to like two-year-olds and then walking to five-year-olds, and then we have our elementary classroom. If you're interested in helping in any of those, my email is on the screen. Feel free to email me this week, or you can come find me after church. Um, so today, kiddos, I'm going to say a blessing for you, whether you're watching at home or whether you're with us here. So if you'll put your hands out like you're going to get a gift from God this morning. So I bless you, boys and girls, to know that God is worth celebrating. Yes. And I bless your eyes to see the wonder and the beauty and the awesomeness of God. And I bless your hearts to respond with praise. That can be shouting or dancing or singing or jumping, or just being quiet. Everything that Jude is doing right now is perfect. And so I bless you to not worry about what others think when you're praising. And I bless you with the freedom to worship like David did in the Bible. Father, we know that being friends with you is something worth celebrating. Help us to show you our praise unashamedly. You are worthy of the dancing, the singing, the quiet, the art, all the creative ways that we can come to you and give you praise. Lord, have your glory. Have your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thank y'all. Man, kids just get the kingdom. That joy. I love that. Um, there are so many people here today. It almost feels like pre-COVID church. You guys just like super quickly want to look to your left, look to your right, and just say like, hey neighbor, glad that you're here. Love it. So if you liked that, that little like taste of community, we have got a couple of ways for you to join in. We've got some great invitations for you this week. So right after church, if you are interested in our high school or our middle school ministry, um, if you'd love to be a volunteer, we would love to have you. And directly after church, we're going to have a little informational meeting with Josh, and it's going to be downstairs in the prayer room immediately after church. That prayer room. Mom's room? Okay, this room right there, y'all. That's the room. You'll be there. And then we're going to talk about um, just how to be a volunteer and how to participate with our youth ministry in that way. Um, and then also, what I'm super excited about, so we, um, we believe in just the creative spirit of Jesus and how he speaks through art and spoken word and visual aid. And we are really leaning into that this season. So we have a really great event. It's called Stand. And it means seeking tangible action and new direction. 
It's awesome. And it's been led out through our favorite Shannon McRae. That's right. So good. And so what it's going to be is starting from Wednesday at 1, we're going to have kind of a contemplative art install. So it'll be at the table. You'll go, you'll walk in, you'll see artwork. It'll have some focus questions. And you'll just kind of begin to walk through the space. And I won't give you too much because I want you to like experience it while you're there. But it's going to be super powerful. And so Wednesday, 1 through 5, the table space will be open. On Thursday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., open house again. And then on Friday, it'll be open from 9 a.m. till 7. And then at 7, we're going to do an event. And so for everyone who's walked through, or if that's your first time, we want to invite you guys all back into the space. You'll see some of the artwork, and then you'll get to discuss them with other people. And the heart of this is talking about racial reconciliation and un, um, uncovering some of our biases and our different perspectives. And so it's a really beautiful um, and non-aggressive way to just to kind of deal with what the Lord is working in your own heart. And so we would love to have you come and participate in that. Again, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, there will be so many opportunities for you to come, have some privacy to look at the artwork. And then Friday night at 7, we're all going to join back together and collectively talk, and it's going to be such a fun space. Yeah, so please come for that. That'll be great. And then for Friday mornings, if you are craving some prayer time, I know I am, we're going to start to do a thing on the first Friday of every month where at 7 a.m. we're going to have some prayer led out by Josh. And so that's going to be downstairs at the table, 7 a.m. right and early. We would love to have you come and pray. And then if you want to hang out after that, we have a thing called Making Space at the Table, and it is an opportunity to co-work alongside your church family. So if you've been working from home and you were bored and you need community or a little bit of distraction, minimal distraction, feel free to come to that. It's going to be from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Um, so that'll be every Friday. So you are welcome to join that. And then finally, our last announcement is going to be from Becca herself about prayer week. I'm taking this off because I'm a rule breaker. Good morning, all you beautiful people. Good morning, all you beautiful people. I was talking to live stream. <laughs> Just kidding, you're beautiful. Thank you all for purchasing tickets to my stand-up comedy act today. Um, it's really gonna be a great show for you guys. Just kidding. Um, so prayer week, raise your hand if you know what that is. All right, raise your hand if you don't know what that is. Raise your hand if you're so excited to know what that is. So if you're new around here, prayer week is a week-long event we host during Holy Week, which is the week between, help me. Thank you, Palm Sunday. I was like, I know that I know what that is. Palm Sunday and Easter, uh, which this year is March 28th through April 3rd. Um, we set up interactive stations downstairs. Each, each week, or each year, I'm sorry, we have kind of a theme that we go through. Um, sometimes there's 12 different kind of stations to interact with. Sometimes there's fewer. Um, but they all kind of center around a specific theme. And this year, we're going we're gonna to focus on stations of the cross and how to interact with those. Um, it'll all be a really creative kind of way. So some of these are going to be tangible things for you to do. Some of them will just be more contemplative, kind of prayer, walk you through a prayer. Um, it's one of my favorite weeks of the year. It's always so impactful. If you were here for Advent, you probably interacted with it in some way, shape, or form. Um, and we're so excited to do it again because it's... Honestly, it's just the best. I know I'm biased, but whatever. Anyway, so next week, we are asking that if you are a creative individual, if you're a creative individual who feels called to partner with us in this event, I would love 
if you would meet me up here, right? <laughs> okay. We're going to meet up here right after service. It's 12, 1230-ish. Um, to kind of walk through what exactly that looks like partnering with us to, through Pair Week. Um, I don't have pictures for you today. Failed on that one. Um, they're going to fire me after this, likely. But <laughs> um, if you follow us on Facebook or Instagram this week, I'm going to be posting some pictures of previous Prayer Week so you can kind of get the feel for the vibe of what we're asking you to partner with. Some of this looks like creating the station. Some of that just looks like being willing to help us clean and set up do all the fun things that um, non-creative people do. <laughs> wow, yeah, I really am going to get fired. Anyway, love you guys so much. Please come next week after church, uh, back there in that room. And if you have any questions, feel free to email me at Rebecca, my government name, Rebecca at RiverCitySmyrna.com. I feel like everyone is giddy that's been up here, and we don't know what to do with ourselves. I first want to apologize for my facial hair. That has nothing to do with y'all. I realized that I want to see what can happen, and it's not great, so it's okay. I'm comfortable in the uncomfortable. I also want to apologize for what looks like a turtleneck. It's not. Um, it could possibly be back in at this point. I don't know, but I feel like it's not, and so I want to say sorry. Um, this is just, yeah, it's just easier for me. I am stalling, and just for you to know, okay? This, um, this is one of our pots that we're going we're gonna to preach from today. It is not a comfortable subject to, to talk on, to preach on. It brings up tensions and anxieties. My week has looked really interesting because of it. And so, first I want to say this. Thank you to the people who have been sharing the weeks before this. This month has been full of testimonies. I've loved it. Last week's testimony time was it shifted my heart in ways. For those that got up and spoke from your hearts, just the beauty of that. Um, we're going to give more opportunities coming in the future. But for Jessica sharing last week, she shared about how much we love our kids and how as adults we show them how to live their lives by what we do. Like we can say all we want, right? But when my kid sees me on the sidelines at a game screaming, and then I recognize my kid doing the same thing to their sibling. I'm to blame for that. Or if I'm doing that correctly, I'm to celebrate for that. I rarely do that correctly. Just ask my son's coach in the back. So I love that she painted this picture of how we embody and live out this gospel message. And it's seen as we stand with Jesus. That's how we teach the future generations. We live it out, right? What we say and do matters. We hear that clearly in the political realm. We, I can tell what parents think just by being around kids discussing it. You can hear what kids say and how their parents have impacted them. Everything we do and say is followed by people who are younger than us. So when it comes to the kingdom of God and walking with Jesus, it matters how we live our lives. It matters what we learn. It matters what we unlearn. It matters what we're willing to talk about. It matters what we're willing to not talk about. It is picked up. Kids are smart. People are smart. So for this year, next month starts what we're calling Equipping the Saints February. I hate the word February, but we're going to say it. I don't want to say February because it doesn't make sense. 
It's equipping the saints, and we're gonna be preaching from Ephesians, and this has been building for months and months and months, and it's more than just a series that we feel like is neat. It feels like the DNA of God's heart and what Jesus is trying to do through our church. Less building spaces and gatherings and more building people, sending people, welcoming people, seeing people grow and become equipped by God, right? Seeing people in true maturity, which... Don't be tricked to think it could just be giftedness or skill sets. You can be completely immature and walk in both of those. But to see mature faith blossom, love, peace, joy, these things that are embodied by the people of God. I listen to those kind of people, whether I sense or see their gifting or not. So I'm excited to walk into that. But today, before we do that, I'm going to share about racial reconciliation. Here's a little bit about how my week went. I'm trying to be as honest as I can with you and as transparent and uncomfortable. So my process this week has felt like, oh my gosh, I'm about to preach on racial reconciliation. I am an absolute moron. I need to learn so much more. Then I went through a spot where I felt the presence of God so strong, so clear, saying, you are standing with me, you are speaking for me. Don't sweat it. Then I went through thinking about each of you and how you would respond to even the words racial reconciliation. And I got a feel for how that would land for all of us. This has been a pot of ours or a prayer of the season for a long time. And so I want to read you this first slide. This is our pot. One of our prayers of the season is justice and racial reconciliation. And it says this, Lord, we continue to pray for your wisdom and our participation in the pursuit of justice and racial reconciliation in our body and the surrounding communities. We repent for any ways in which we have not reflected Jesus in our participation or pursuit. We pray for humility. We pray for humility to listen and learn from people of color about their experiences and for intentional action steps that progressively move us from conversation to justice-oriented measures. It took six months for our staff to realize that prayer is from a white person's perspective. We talked about that at staff meeting. Six months. The process of progressing and learning in these things, right? I had a thought that I, this is, I'm going to get so honest. Hopefully you don't feel uncomfortable. Hopefully you do. I think the, the big goal is being comfortable in our uncomfort, but just, this could reveal things about me that I literally think could offend you. Are you all okay with that? You're like, yeah, say it. Are we recording? <laughs> Clips of pastors saying the wrong things on this topic, just going, <laughs> okay. So I wanted to, this is, this is real. I was like, I want to talk about how when I was in high school, my favorite bands were like Jodeci and Too Short and Tupac. <laughs> And I was like, what am I doing? But I didn't want to talk about how my favorite bands were also Chicago and Journey and Christopher Cross. Not Criss Cross, although I did like Criss Cross, but Christopher Cross. Remember that guy? Sailing. I wanted to talk about how I liked 8-Ball MJG and almost 95% of you have no idea who that is. But I didn't want to talk about how much I love the Eagles. What is going on? Why is that even considered an in route by me to start talking about racial reconciliation? Because I know that it matters. And when this conversation surfaces, everyone 
becomes awkward. Have you ever been in a room with a group of people you don't know and this conversation has come up? And how quickly you are to feel the room, right? We avoid these conversations. Historically, we either pretend like it's not happening or we come out in attack mode. We also attach it to whatever political brand we sense it's connected to. And sometimes we, we say that the issue is a political issue instead of it being a kingdom of God issue. This is a flaw. This is what our political system and structure has done to us. It's so polarizing that even the heart of God through these cannot be seen because of the two. This is the heart of God. Racial reconciliation, you better believe it. When we planted this church, I preached one message. I didn't even know how prophetic this message was. To every church I went to, and it was the message about when Jesus started communities and sent people out, it was the first time in their culture that people from different class systems and economic systems were meeting together. And in that time frame, slaves met with owners, and everyone in the space had equal priority. This to me was unbelievable that this gospel could start like this in a polarizing, racially charged climate as it was in first century. It's still that today. Here's what we can't say. This is not a kingdom issue. Here's what we can't say. This is about the heart, right? And if we're talking about this, we're just missing the heart of God. We're focusing. This is the heart of God. This is the heart of of God. Can I be focused on the Holy Spirit empowering you and focused on racial reconciliation? I don't care what church history has said to me about being a person who's after justice and the presence of God. We're doing that. I don't care what it says about this is a social gospel. This is what we're going after both because I believe that's what's found in Jesus. We can be a church that embodies both, but we have to learn. And I'm already doing it. <laughs> my, my note to self, my second one was, don't get on a soapbox because you hate when people get on soapboxes because when I find a soapbox and a new lens to start to see the kingdom more clearly, what I sometimes do is act like I've been standing on that for, for decades. I don't like when people who are learning act like they've learned their whole life and they're now telling all the idiots what needs to happen. I don't want to do that. I feel like there shouldn't be a soapbox here. There should just be a conversation and the conversation needs to be had and it matters. And if the heart of the gospel for you is that Jesus is a reconciler and he's reconciling all people to himself, the heart of racism should matter to you. And that you don't want to talk about it and that I don't want to talk about it should be enough to show us it is there. And even if it doesn't appear to be there for you, that there is a collection of people who believe that it is there and have felt the repercussions from it is enough to have the discussion. If, you, if your brother has something against you and you bring a gift to the altar, I love that it doesn't say if you have something against your brother. It's not like, well. If your brother or sister has something against you and you come to the altar with a gift, leave it there and go make it right. It's not talking about if you believe it's there. It's talking about the collection of people that think it's there. But I'm here to tell you clearly, it is there. We won't be those that act like it's not which means we gotta learn. Did I already read that? <laughs> cool, now I'm gonna open to my message. So, hallelujah. I want to ask you to have a posture 
of openness. I've started kind of a secret incognito group of discipleship with some people because I'm trying some things out for equipping the saints. It's not an elite group. Um, For those that are in it, you're not elite. You're the ones that God said are in the most need. (laughs) So this is that moment where you learn that. Sorry, guys. I'm just trying things that I believe our body's gonna become like, right? And one of the things we do is we have this posture at the beginning of our groups where we ask God to give us this posture. The posture for today, and this was started by Sarah. You're like, are you gonna say it? 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 Yes, Sarah started this idea in our groups when she did 12 discipleship groups. Everybody, put your hand over your heart. Today's posture is openness. Everybody say that back to me. Openness. We will be open We will be open. So God, set our hearts in a space to be open to your love. And here's my statement to you that you must remember at all times. You are the beloved of God. You are the beloved of God. You are a son and you are a daughter of the most high God. Red and yellow, black and white. All men. All women created in the image of God. If you don't get anything else today, know that you know you are the beloved of the most high God. You are worthy, you are valuable, you deserve to be loved, you deserve to be fought for, you deserve to be reclaimed, you deserve to vent, you deserve to have righteous anger and even unrighteous anger at times. God loves you, he loves me, he loves us, and we are to embody that for others. I don't know why I just got up on the stage to do that, but I'm gonna get back down here. So, today, I'm gonna gonna share with you some thoughts from this book, which I recommend that it becomes something that you pick up and read. For those of you who are like, I'm not reading a book on race relations, this is the book for you. I'm just not gonna read that, because read this book. It's called Black and White. It's a great entry route into these conversations, and some of the thoughts that I'm sharing today have helped me through this. This one's already gonna be uncomfortable, so I'm just gonna get right into it. There are three main reasons why white people, super triggered, many of you, just by that statement right there, don't want to have conversations about race. This was... Multitudes of people that were met with, questions were asked. These were the top three common answers. One, afraid to offend black people or people of color. was the number one thing, why people won't want to have these conversations. Number two, afraid of making black people angry, which is also a stereotype, which makes it uncomfortable to even talk about it right now. But that's a, a common fear for white people. And the third one, which I am totally standing in right now, the discomfort you feel personally when you begin to have these conversations, which I think is a very common idea. But we have to become comfortable being uncomfortable. So I'm going to read you some passages. This message should be sponsored by a pastor named Mike Todd, and I blame Shannon for sending me the message. I am marked by it now, and I cannot not think about it. He took my favorite passage of scripture and brought light to it that I've never seen. A shameful not seen, but an invitation from Jesus because we're all growing to see it through the lens. And so 
I'm gonna start though with 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. So stay with me, write these down, put them in your phone, put them in your heart box. I just made that up, I don't even know what that means. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view, even though we once knew from Christ, we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we now know, okay, I'm gonna have to start over, I'm serious. I need a buddy. We need Becca back up here, right? From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view, even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view. We know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away, see, everything has become new. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciled, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So this is saying for any of those who have been saved, if you're from that kind of conversation, who've been brought into the fold, who are now followers of Christ, practicing the way, disciples of Jesus, you've been gifted with the ministry of reconciliation. Whether you enjoy that or didn't know it or you're like, oh, wow, it is now a part of what is in you as a follower of Christ. Not only people to Jesus, which is where I think a lot of people want to land. Well, let's just talk about reconciliation to God then, right? Let's all people, you know, we're all, I don't see color, you know, let's just all ministry reconciling those to God and to one another. We've been gifted with the ministry of reconciliation, right? This is important for us to understand. The old ideas and the old baggage, even though may still surface, is gone. And that can be, for me specifically, my addictive patterns, even though they still want to crop up. And I still want to jump into these things that give me a, a false version of security and reality. Those are gone, even though they sometimes surface. And there's a new thing in place with Christ. And one of those things is to be a reconciler. And that's beautiful to bring reconciliation to those who are distanced or to be a peacemaker with those, as Justin was praying, to be a peacemaker, the gospel of peace, to carry that, right? To be someone who embodies what Jesus embodied. We are ambassadors. Everybody say ambassadors. That's awesome. You're an ambassador. You can get like a name tag and start a ministry. Ambassador Shane, right? Amen. To Christ through us, so... Large, thing keep this, large things keep these conversations at bay. And I want to pull up Ephesians 6.12 to talk about something more spiritual in nature and more broad than just the decisions we make. And we had to look for a few different translations of this to get the word that I know is embodied in this text. For our wrestling is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and against the powers and against the world rulers of this darkness against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So this conversation to me 
is one that at times kind of lives outside of the idea of conversation. Let's just leave it over there. But it's especially talked about in this book, which is why I want you to jump into it, that these are powers that have existed for a long time. Racism did not just start here, right? You'll hear in a minute from John 4 that Jesus was actually impacting 800 years of racism through the Samaritan people. This is something that has lasted forever. And so when we decide, no, it's not there, it's as if we're signing off on a principality and a power to continue to operate, but actually grow quickly. So when we decide this conversation is just not for us, right? Let's just talk about the kingdom of God. And Jesus is like, "Ah, well, I'm talking about the kingdom and I'd like you as well, and this is uncomfortable. When we decide, no, we're not gonna do that, then we do what's been done throughout the history of time, which is let it build and grow and grow, and hopefully it'll go away. Let's just focus on Christ and the heart of God. Yes, let's just love, love Daddy God today, and that's it. And it grows and it grows, and he's waiting for the people of God, and our world is waiting for the people of God. This is not just a cultural issue that's being thrown at us that we're trying to respond to to be culturally relevant. This is why I chose to speak about it now and not four months ago. Because I knew four months ago, I would be doing it because I needed to do it then. So if I do it now, when we're about to talk about equipping the saints, I'm having to flex some kind of muscle I don't want to flex. It's not popular right now. It's not on the end of a spear right now. Right? I want to read you a couple quotes. Hopefully you know what they are. If you don't, forgive me, J.R.R. Tolkien, you probably don't know this one, says... Does this no good to leave a live dragon out of your calculation if it lives in your area? That's a good quote. And then from one of my favorite movies in my history, Usual Suspects, this was from the voice of Verbal, which you would find out was Kaiser Soze, but it's also a quote from Charles Baudelaire, which Bill made sure he corrected me on before. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Do you remember that movie? Anybody raise your hand if you've seen that movie? All this, all through this movie, right? The character of Kevin Spacey is the actual, he's the embodiment of the end. Working is magic. He's the one that says this, right? And he ends up being, oh, you gotta watch that movie, not with your kids. Amen? Cool. (laughs) Amen. So one more quote, and this is from this book. It says this. It's important to think carefully about this. What are these principalities, powers, and world rulers? What's their agenda? How do they operate? To what extent are they involved in human affairs? And more specifically, to what degree are they involved in racism? If we discover they are involved in it, what exactly are we supposed to do about it? If we don't think they are involved, then we'll do nothing about it. We will not be the people who do nothing about it. While I don't stand on a soapbox and become antagonistic to all of you about how far behind you are, I feel like I'm speaking to myself in a seat. So, Revelation 7, 9. After this, I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before God, the throne, and before the Lamb, robed and white with palm branches in their hands, I love that it's every nation and tribe and people and languages and the voice in heaven is God who God created them to be. It's not the idea that they don't see color in this picture, it's that it's celebrated and that it's embodied. And this is where we're heading and again, Michael Todd, 
racial reconciliation is going to happen. It's going to happen. And hopefully we don't have to wait till there, till it happens. So what do we have to do on this side of that happening? Do we have any friends that don't look like us? I mean, do we have friends that don't look exactly like us? Here's, here's a deeper question. Do you have friendships growing with people more broadly than you did five years ago? Or is that getting smaller? Do you put yourself in situations where uncomfortable conversations might happen? I can be honest with you. We had a, we had a gathering at the church maybe four months ago. And I can't remember what it was, but it was downstairs. And I was on red alert the whole time. And people were sharing. I was hearing stories from people of color in our body about how when they have to deal with life, it's much different for me. I was uncomfortable because I felt how I haven't had to deal with it. Now being revealed in conversation, not because anybody was being aggressive or mean to me, just hearing it, right? My heart's breaking, I told our staff last week, to, to understand that even people on our staff, the way that they have to face the world, the way that they will have to raise their kids, they will have things in mind that I don't have in my mind about protection and safety and what does it look like when you get pulled over? Like, these are conversations, I don't, like, I, I was a, an actual criminal. Like, I don't know if you know this about me, I preach about it a lot, but I actually was in jail a lot for theft and armed robbery, not really, <laughs> just didn't I was in rehabilitation for actual drugs and selling drugs. I didn't graduate high school. I took a GED. I embody stereotypes that I don't have to worry about coming out. Right? I somehow, after taking a GED, ended up at a school getting a Master's of Divinity because of my connections to the overseer of a denomination. I don't, I'm not worried about what might come out about me. Like, I did all kinds of stuff. Like, this is real stories in my life, right? I was an actual criminal, me. When you, have you guys ever been in here and been like, that guy's a criminal? <laughs> like, I, that's what I'm saying. So I have to interact with people of color who I don't have to worry about that, right? I, li- I got pulled over in high school. I was drunk. So your kids are in here. I'm sorry. You're just like, well, I'm not coming back to this church ever. I knew what to do to not get arrested, and I didn't. I had a conversation with a cop about going to a party, and he told me how to get there. This is a true story. I heard stories from our staff members who were pulled over, were not drunk, and were berated in the street because of the kind of car they drove. This is not me making up a story. These are real stories from people who really have to experience this on a daily basis. We don't want to talk about it. I don't even want to talk about it right now. I'm starting to do the thing where I just talk, and that's dangerous, especially today. So I want to share with you I want to share with you my favorite passage of Scripture from a new lens. It's John 4. It's going to be a lot. You just might as well take your seat and enjoy it. I'm not on a soapbox. I just, this is actual a lot of Scripture. That's all, that was what I meant by that. You're about to read 41 verses with me. 
And this is the story from the, the show Chosen that when I saw it, I started weeping. I actually went on the back porch and hid the weeping from my family like a good Christian dad does. Because I don't show weakness. And I sobbed on the ground. I was like, the, just uh, face swollen the next day, sobbing at the love of Jesus for this woman while missing maybe the biggest part. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisee, Pharisees, dear Jesus, help me to read this passage of scripture without sounding like Yoda for one Sunday. Help me. Amen. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his jury, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour, and a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask me for a drink from me? a woman of Samaria, for the Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and that well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water, or almost in jest, so that I will not have to be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go call your husband, mic drop, go call your husband and come here. Jesus. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, yep, you're right in saying you have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman is like, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. <laughs> Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you, say in the, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, like I hear drums going when I read this part, I'm like, that you will worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, we worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking. The Father, I'm speaking into this like it's doing something, it's not even... It's right here. This is where. The Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, See, I know that the Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ, and when he comes, he's going to tell us all these things. Jesus said to her, other mic drop moment, probably two. Just I who speak to you am he. 
Just then, his disciples come back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one had said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went into the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and they were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, he has brought him something to eat. Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say that there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift your eyes and see the fields are white with harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that power, good Lord, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. That's so huge. And he stayed there for two days, and many more believed because of his word. I'm going to pause to pray. Back to our openness. Jesus, reveal through your scriptures and the power of the Holy Spirit and community this trifecta of how we learn the scriptures, the Holy Spirit, and community, all intended to grow together, to, give, to be given questions from the text, like you gave each would-be disciple, to not be given specific answers, to have to step away and kind of do it on our own, but to be drawn into the text by the Holy Spirit in community to hear the word of the Lord. And all God's people said? Amen. I'm just going to jump through it. What's happening here? When Jesus walks up to this woman, he is facing 800 years of racism. 800 years, so much racism that the path from where he was going to where he wanted to end went through the shortest path, but everyone traveled around it. Everyone traveled around it. No one's going through Samaria because in Samaria, you're gonna have to deal with what is there. You're gonna have to interact with what is there. And so everyone goes around Samaria. Jesus did not circumvent Samaria. Jesus did not go the route that kept him from having to interact with it. Jesus went directly to a well. Just to note, his disciples were not ready to have this conversation. They went on ahead, right? It's almost as if Jesus understood where they were at and that they were still racist. You don't like that I just said that. It's true. They were still very racist about this particular group of people. He goes right in. He stepped into the tension. He stepped into the danger. His disciples took off. The woman was so surprised that she actually called it out. Wait, you're a Jew. Speak. They actually put this in quotations in the text because they do not interact with one another. Jesus was willing to go into a space 
to have a conversation with someone and to drink from the same cup as them, to identify with them. I love this piece that Mike Todd pulls out, which is that Jesus was willing to meet on some type of common ground. And for both communities, the Jewish community and the Samaritan community, Jacob would have been important. In the history of their tradition, Jacob would have been important. The well of Jacob would have been equally collected as an important place. And it shows that Jesus is willing to meet this woman on a common ground, right? He's not going in to attack this woman and make her understand him. He meets her in a space that she already believes is good, right? These conversations for me, I am actually extremely okay with the anger that I see from people of color and how it's affected them and how, they, how it surfaces. I believe there's righteous and unrighteous anger. I'm okay with it. I, as a person that is not a person of color, I never wanna have this conversation in agitated antagonism. I believe as Christ's ambassadors to reconcile, there are spaces that we can meet to talk about what's there, where you can understand who someone is before you have to have that conversation, where you can cover ground and ask about someone's history. She goes into, he asked about her husband. He travels into a space with her about spirituality, about family, about her desires, about her brokenness. He knows why she's there at noon, right? She's avoiding all of life but he's built this common ground with her to have this conversation that even the disciples weren't ready to have. The Father is looking for those who will worship in spirit and truth, and that does not mean that we know how to have extended periods of worship where we're just experiencing the Father's love for ourselves. Jesus is speaking this deeply important passage, spirit, truth, Worship, not here, not there, with your brother and sister. It's not about what mountain anymore. It's about the community of God that he's building. It's not about the way the Jews did it or the way the Samaritans did it. It's about the interaction that happens at a well. It's about Jesus putting himself in a space and asking us to stand with him and to have the conversations that are uncomfortable. We have to become comfortable being uncomfortable. I mean, compare the two missions. The disciples go into the city, have not shared the gospel or the story of Jesus with anyone. They literally go into the city and come back and are frustrated, one, that he's talking to this woman. And it's not even just that because women have already been in the ministry, but it's that it's a Samaritan woman. And they're frustrated that somebody might have fed him. Jesus doesn't go into the city. Someone comes out of the city. That person goes back into the city, tells about what Jesus did. All come to Jesus. What if revival is actually waiting to happen on how we respond to these issues? What if revival comes in these places, not just when we continue what we know to be the gospel like the disciples were doing? They were wrong. They were actually living on mission. They were on mission, which was what was frustrating to them. Wait a second, aren't we? This is what we're supposed to be doing. Jesus, you need to do this right now? You should probably eat. My food, I'm full. I'm so full, right? The woman's full. 
It becomes about a different reality at that point, the kingdom reality. She leaves stuff there, water, drink. She goes and tells people, they all come back. At that point, it's not, no one even cares. It's just, this man has told me all that I've ever, everything about me. And now all these people, because of her story about how Jesus interacted with her, because Jesus put himself in that space, loved this person well, went and had the testimony about how it happened, all those people were impacted about that story. No one was impacted by the disciples. That's, I don't even know what to do with that right now. I'm just in it. So, so our, our role and our hope and my hope is that we stand with Jesus even in these spaces and that we reclaim for the body of Christ the kind of voice that fights for the spirit of God to redeem our hearts and fill us and to gift us, but also to stand in these places with those that have been broken by centuries of pain. And if we need to, just start with repentance. Forgive me for not talking about it. Forgive me if we've ever said, this is not a kingdom issue, our next move should be for God to break our heart. Because our heart's not broken. And if we're unwilling to give space for that to be seen, then our hearts have hardened. Because for me, a humble disciple is someone who is willing to evaluate anything, even if it's just on the fact that my brother has it against me. It might not even be a reality to me, but if I have somehow been a part, well, don't say that to me because racism doesn't exist anymore, right? It doesn't exist. It was cleansed. I promise you, it exists. That's why when you're in a room and it starts to come up, you feel it. If not, you wouldn't. If it didn't exist anymore, they would never have a feeling about it. That's why you, you carefully use words in these kind of conversations, all of us. It's still there. God forgive us for acting like it's not because it's easier to do church if we act like it's not there. It's easier, right? This is about the very heart of God. This is about the spirit of God. This is about equipping the saints. And so I'm gonna try my best to close I'll say this, praise God that he has selected a community of people to become ambassadors for reconciliation. Praise God. Like praise God that there are people who are broken and that we have the opportunity as people of God to be ambassadors for reconciliation. Praise God that he has a plan. The kingdom of God is not in trouble, right? No matter what we're hearing Politically, the kingdom of God, I promise you, is not in trouble right now. If anything, I feel it reverberating. I feel it hovering over the waters. I feel the spirit of God stirring us to step into this place as a church like I have not felt in seven years as pastor. I sense it. I, it's like I'm in rhythm with something I can't even explain. God is moving. God's on the move. Whatever movie that was from that everybody just thought of. Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Aslam is on the move. I don't think that's his right name, but he's on the move. He's on the move. He's on the move and he is good. He is so good that our stories about how he's been good will affect whole communities. 
Stories about how racist tendencies being broken in plain sight will affect whole communities and generations. Let's not pretend like the stories around our tables growing up and the stories from our families didn't have things happening that we know are racist. Let's have the conversations, invite the heart of God. Can we really be a people filled by the Spirit of God if we act like this isn't? Can it even happen? Can it even happen? I, I know it can't. I'm 100% positive. If my brother has something against me and I bring my gift to the altar, and I'm, I'm just now connecting what bringing a gift to the altar could mean. If I bring my gift to the altar to preach, to prophesy, to pray, to worship, and my brother has something against me and I'm not willing to hear it, you better bring yourself off the stage and go apologize. That's the heart of God. That's the heart of God. Yeah, but what about the reverse racism? Come on. Guys, come on. The fact that there's a phrase called reverse racism just points to the truth of real racism. Come on, guys. Come on. Let's step into this. Can you stand with me? I'm just gonna do my best to maybe openly repent. God, if I'm trying to do this to like look like a guy that's openly repenting, I repent for that. I know that's probably in my heart at times. I just I ask for forgiveness, Jesus, for the assumptions I make about people that keep me from having conversations. I ask that you would help my heart to lament as does a third of the Psalms at least teaches us. For my brothers and sisters, for people of color who have real stories of brokenness that many times don't wanna share just because it's too weighty and they don't wanna deal with the response. I repent for not being an open space for that. I also repent God for locking into one of my friends and making them become this center or hub for all the information I ever need and the weight that that is given to people to feel this pull. How do, how do. So I just pray that there would be an open lament, that we would feel what it feels like since the brokenness. You move our hearts to compassion and empathy, God, and when that happens, things begin to change. Help us to feel the weight of what this has felt like. We repent for things like saying, what about reverse racism to keep us from having to look at the truth? We repent for saying, no, this is an issue of the heart. It's deeper than racism, so we don't have to look at the truth and have conversations. We now pray with all the boldness of a charismatic yet Eucharistic church that says we believe when we pray God answers prayers. We pray with all the boldness to say bring reconciliation. Let our church look like our city. 
Let this be an integrated space, Jesus. Raise up leadership, God, that doesn't just look like me. Well, Joshua, isn't it just about who's the best fit? Yes and no. Raise up leadership that looks like our city. Help us to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Help us to read a book. Good Lord. Just give God a moment to search your heart to see if there be any wickedness. And what I love about God is the disciples weren't done being followers of Jesus when they completely destroyed that whole situation. They were in progress and he was still training and still revealing and they would eventually see and know and they would become actual ambassadors like he wanted. I mean, they became that message but it didn't happen all in a day. So if he reveals in any area, specifically today, any type of racial bias that is broken, any type of fear for loss of power was never yours to have. Jesus is in control. Jesus is powerful. We just follow him. Just continue to sit in a place of repentance. I can only say for you if you desire not to repent, Pray that God would open your eyes and your heart to be the children of God. I'm going to do a prayer with you. I want you to face your hands downward. And I want you to legitimately let go of whatever would keep you from helping Jesus stand in this spot. Picture it being set at the altar. I want you to turn your hands over and say, Father, in what ways are you blessing me to step into this? To be an ambassador for reconciliation. for story and testimony. Again, these have been my favorite things we've done, so I'm not worried about time. But before I do that, a couple things this week, just real clear and simple en routes. We actually have a library. I'm starting with three. Downstairs of books to help have conversations. We want you to check them out. It was a pandemic. It's been six months. 
we've maybe had two people check out a book. So much opportunity. Read a book, right? Read a book. Not your Libre voice. Read a book. This week, come visit this experience. Friday night, let's jump in together. Jesus, bless our church to look like your kingdom in our city that you've placed us. For stories today, Mariah, is there any, any way you would like to pose the stories? Is it just you're still kind of waiting for a prayer to be answered kind of testimonies we wanted to do on this last Sunday of testimony? We've done it all month, but this one is, there's still kind of a testimony in works, but I want to praise God as I wait. And um, now that Becca's up here playing and I don't really know what to do, look, you guys can sit maybe. Just create a space. You stay up here and do this anyway, right? During this part. So just for a little bit, if you would like to share your testimony in the works, we would love to create some space. So I'm going to sit up here awkwardly. honesty season with the Lord and um, I struggled for like over 20 years with depression and he freed me like miraculously um, but I still have like pretty crippling anxiety sometimes all the time <laughs> but he did he told me um, last year that he wanted to set me free and so got in counseling and um, I still like about every day that I have it I wake up with it I go to sleep with it but I um yeah so that's my testimony is that I know that he's promised me that he's going to give me that like freedom from from the anxiety and I've gotten to a place where like as of like last night just literally weeping for two hours and just crumpled over and um yeah that place of brutal honesty of like I can't do this anymore <laughs> like it's too much but he met me there and I'm starting to feel that peace I slept last night <laughs> like it's like what 25 years of insomnia but I slept last night and and I would wake up but I just felt his overwhelming presence <laughs> And I'm starting to feel like the hope of like 
it's not gonna be this way forever. Like it's not gonna be this constant feeling of I'm failing. I'm not doing anything right. I can't do it right. <laughs> feeling is like um just freedom from that uh, behavior modification. Just growing up as a pastor's kid, it's just constantly that in my head of like I'm not doing enough. I'm not loving well enough. I'm not preaching enough. I'm not you know. But as of last night, I just feel like his nearness and his just the start of the freedom of like, no, this is this is different. Like, I am going to be set free from that constant like overthinking. And yeah, and so even as of this morning, I'm like driving here. My eyes were like swollen shut when I woke up this morning and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go to worship and then I'm going to leave and I don't have to worry about, you know overthinking just of you know interactions with people just that anxiety but uh, he met me in worship and yeah um so yeah I don't know I just feel hope again that I can trust him in that promise that he wants to give me like that freedom from anxiety so love you guys I'm Angie. Um, we have only lived in this state for two years, and it's been a struggle because I work from home, and I don't have a whole lot of friends. And in the last two years, it's been up and down, mostly meeting friends in our neighborhood. But in this last year, everything that's gone on between the pandemic and all of the racial issues, we've lost a lot of the friendships that were really close to us. And during this pandemic, it's been hard to find friends. And um, God has blessed us with new friends throughout the neighborhood, but working from home, not being able to come to church, not really having any avenues to explore friendships has been really hard on me. And I am so grateful for my husband and all of his huge heart, but we need larger than that. We need friendships that we can expose ourselves to and to have the open conversations. And that your message today, this last year, we have really explored racial issues. I've read books. I've, I have done it all, but I still have that. I'm not doing enough, and I'm looking for God to bring in friendships into my life and um, new relationships to help me use what I've learned and to be a, a light in the world so that people could look at me and say, there's something about her, and I'm just feeling kind of struggling with it. So I'm very blessed that I have that amazing person who I spend my, my life with, but it, being so new to this area, my, my prayer for this year is that uh, we can grow and find more friendships and to be able to use um, just the gifts that God has given us in, in ways that I can't experience. I, I don't understand it yet, so I'm just asking God to show me what we can do. This is really hard for me. Um, this last year, um, a lot of you guys have been pouring out a lot of prayer for us, but um, 
I don't know the end to this, and I don't know um, where God is leading this testimony, but I know um, my mom got sick November of last year and was diagnosed with cancer. And this last year has been like nothing I've ever experienced. Um, our life has changed in so many huge ways, and so many sacrificial things have happened for my children and for everyone around us. Um, we were told a few weeks, November of last year, and she's still here. Um, the hardest part now is that she hasn't, she has no voice anymore. She can't talk to us, and she can't tell us how she feels. And mentally knowing she's still completely there is really hard to watch every day, and just know that this woman who has been a saint my whole life, who would pour out and pour out and pour out for others, is going through something so dark. It, it puts you in a place of like just finding your own peace and own happiness but becomes further and further behind um, to the point now that if I'm honest my marriage is falling apart in the midst of it me as a mother is falling apart in the midst of it so sometimes just trying to find who I am in the midst of taking care of someone else is more and more difficult um, so I don't know where this testimony leads, but I know God doesn't take us through situations like this without there being an end to it. So I just, I don't know where it leads, and I hope that six months from now, a year from now, I can stand back up here and tell you guys what that is. Right now, I don't know, but I know it's coming eventually. And I wore a hat, because that makes sense. Um, these are the hardest testimonies to give, right? Um, so I grew up in a really awesome family that I love. And this last year, like, our whole reality changed. And everything that we all knew about each other kind of fell apart. And um, now my relationship with my mom and my sister are both like kind of falling apart and it's really hard because we were all so close and um, there's a lot of really, really heavy issues that we're all walking through in the most ungraceful way possible. Um, but I've seen the Lord restore so much last year and I know that He's going to keep doing that. And I know that when we cling to what we used to know that doesn't give God as much room to show us what he's capable of doing and so I'm excited <laughs> I'm convincing myself <laughs> to see what he's going to do with this disaster <laughs> um, and I know that our family is going to rest be restored sevenfold and anything that the enemy took from us is coming back in a much better way um, so I appreciate all of you believing that with me and believing all of you for what you're um, expecting from the Lord. And yeah, I'm just, it's a great place to be and a terrible place to be because, you know, when you can't control anything, you're just like, all right, God, let's see it because I don't know what's happening. So I hope that is encouraging and 
good for me to say that to myself. So have a great day. I actually don't really have a testimony. I just want to indulge y'all for a second by reading Psalm 46, just to give y'all a little encouragement through. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble as it's swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Hey, my name is Chase Chitwood, and this is my first time here. So, um, so um, I want to share this verse with you, Jeremiah 29, 11, which y'all should know. Um, for I know that I have the plans for you, to, uh, the plans to prosper you, the plans to give you hope in the future and to not harm you. The reason why that verse is so important to me, I spent about... From the time I was 11 to 21, foster care. And I lived in 14 different homes. And I grew up, I ended up at a Christian group home called Goshen Valley Boys Ranch. And that was their verse. And, you know, in the midst of all that, my parents were incarcerated in and out. And, you know, I had two, two younger siblings, a sister and a brother. I was separated from uh, the first time ever when I went to that group home from them. And, um, you know, God really did a mighty work in me. From the time I was 14, I rededicated my life to Christ. And I really tried to work very hard on my relationship with Him and my siblings and my mom and father. And God really did a wonderful thing. Think about reconciliation. So I had no idea that I was going to be able to Re, be re, reunified with my family. And what was so great about it was I, the moment I focused on God and the moment that I had a loving home that I could stay consistent with and going to school, I could focus on my grades and say something wonderful to my siblings when I got to see them. Say something wonderful, write something wonderful to my parents who were in prison. And then once I turned 18, I decided stay in care for two, two more years. And then at the age of 20 in college, I was about to age out, and a lovely church couple came in and allowed me to live in their home for the, the next three to four years while I finished college. Um, I say all this because eventually, you know, my mom got out of prison. You know, she's been sober for 10 years. My dad, he decided to not make that decision, but you know, 
forgiveness is something that we shouldn't take lightly. You know, we only get one life to, to be forgiven. And I think the purpose of this life is to find Christ, no matter what or how far out you are in life. And what I've, what I've learned is that God can reconcile you. It may not look the way you think it will. You know, I still ha see my mother, but I never went back home to her. You know, my father, he continued to go to prison, in and out. But I still love him because I know that one day, hopefully, that he will find God in his own way. And my siblings, my sister's a nurse now, and I have a half-brother who is 18. And he is, you know, struggling with his walk. And, and, but I know that through all those struggles that I went through in those years, it led me into finding a purpose in my life, a sincere relationship with Christ. And I was even able to find a, a meaning in my own way. I don't say the right things all the time. And I definitely forget how, how God has been faithful to me throughout those years. Um, but what I do know, I'm very thankful for those 15 foster families that raised me and I still stay in touch with them. And something about community is this, is we're all coming from different walks of life, but we can still gather together and love one another. Whether I lived in a Hispanic home for a year, whether I lived in a completely different environment that I was born to. And they still, regardless of my uh, upbringing, they love me. And I think we can definitely do that. Um, but I just want to thank you for uh, allow, allowing us to share our testimonies. Um, and I pray that um, God will bless you. Amen. Right on nine and nine and three fourths. Be mad at Jesus. I'm shaking so much because I really hate talking in front of people. Um, I actually asked him last week if I could send a video in, even if I was here, because I don't like talking in front of people. <sighs> okay. Um, thank you. I next year or this year um, really want a baby because we had a. sure you all know what I'm going to say. <laughs> we had a miscarriage in um, October. So, yeah, that's it. Just want a baby this year. All right, if you, um, if you just gave a story, a not completed story, can you just raise your hand one more time? Each person, look, raise it high enough for people can see because we're not going to come to you and surround you, but point your hand towards someone with all of the love, extensive hands that we're going to pray for these people in thankfulness. Jesus, we, I want to say thank you for the power of sharing. And I want to say thank you for testimonies before they happen. 
I want to say thank you for each of the people that just stood in front and shared. And we ask and agree with them for them to put their hand in yours. And this is a picture I have for you. And trust Jesus. He is going to be faithful. He is making ways. He is for you and definitely not against you. He is good and not bad. So we ask you to bless them in Jesus' name. I pray for a future completed testimony story, but also other opportunities to wait on you. If you'd like prayer on your own today, 
Leslie will be available. I think Don as well. Leslie and Don. Um, and they can come stand right here. Quadri- 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 whatever, that's going to be good. So right here. If you'd like to be involved in the high school, middle school meeting in that room, join me. Really pumped to walk with you. It feels like an honor because it feels like God is doing something in all of you. And I'm pumped to be to be with you. So love you guys. See you soon. God bless you. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.